Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today, good? Let's hear it for Jesus this morning, huh? Come on, put your hands together, let's hear it. So listen, uh, how many guys know someone that's a sore loser? Anybody got friends that are sore losers? How many of y'all gonna raise your hands and say, I'm a sore loser, man, I don't like, you know? If I play your five-year-old at ping pong, I'm coming for him, y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all know some sore winners? I know people that talk just as much trash when they're winning as they do when they're losing. How many of y'all, that's you? Go ahead and raise your hand. Like, I know, yeah. Some of y'all, your spouse is looking at you like. All right. Um, but no, I'm, I am a sore loser. As a matter of fact, uh, myself and Anthony uh, Chagoni, my brother-in-law, we, we have to be on the same team for any sport we play. Because if we don't, there's going to be family drama for like a year. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, it's bad. So we have to be on the same team. But today we're going to talk, we're not talking about winners and losers, but we are going to talk about resilience. Turn to your neighbor and say resilience. It's greater than defeat. Turn to your neighbor and say it's better than defeat. It's greater than defeat. That's right. Now turn to the person on the other side of you, you just neglected, right? That person on the left gets no love, all right? Tell them resilience is greater than defeat. Uh, right? If you're watching us online, tell that person next to you at Starbucks right now. Resilience, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> Mess with me with my latte. Anyway, so let's do it. All right. Let's get into it. Take out your sermon notes. Hopefully you got on the way, those on the way in the door today. And, and let's de- define resilience as we start off. Resilience, the definition of resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to be tough. So you, got, you, you have to have a toughness, and resilience is the ability to recover, the capacity to recover quickly uh, from difficulties, right? And so resilience. And here's the deal, folks. If you want to live out the purpose that God has for you, you're going to have to learn how to do it being resilient. How many guys know that life comes at you hard, and if you're not ready, it'll knock you down? But how many of you are figuring out that even when you are ready, it'll still knock you down? And it's not about getting knocked down. It's about figuring how to get back up and finish the race that God has set for you. Like Paul said, that we all have a race we have to finish. We have a purpose. We have a destiny we have to fulfill. And if we don't learn how to be resilient in times of difficulties, we will never overcome. Therefore, we will never live out the purpose that God has for us. And I don't know about you, but I've gone through seasons in my life where I was just trying to get through it. I'm ready to start being victorious over it. Come on, somebody. Like, so it's time that we start stepping into a season where God not only just helps us get through this, let's become victorious over this. So much so that I can tell someone else. I can encourage someone else when they go through a similar season. Like we can help lift up when my purpose can be fulfilled in the struggle that I'm walking out. Your testimony is directly tied to the difficulties in your life. So... Let's talk about being resilient, all right? Because the first thing you have to do when you're going to be resilient, first thing on your notes, is you got to learn to pick yourself up. You got to learn to pick yourself up. Turn to your neighbor and say, pick yourself up. That's right. And just in case you didn't, in case you missed it earlier while we were talking, we're in the Real Talk series. As a matter of fact, we're going to be in the Real Talk series all the way through April and May. So you can come in, you can rock your hats, your, your hoodies, whatever you want to wear within reason. I've seen some of y'all's Instagram. Don't y'all come in wearing all that nonsense, right? But you can come comfortable. Uh, you can come comfortable anytime, really. Some people were like, is this different than any other week? I was like, for some people it's not. 
This is just an excuse for me to wear a hat on stage, so we can do whatever we want. You know what I'm saying? But, so, but what we want you to know is this Real Talk series, we're going to deal with some stuff, and we're going to talk about where we really are. Can we be real today? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's getting real. Yeah. All right, let's do it, right? So you got to learn to pick yourself up. I remember playing football, man. I, I played Little League football. I was a stud playing Little League football. I'm not going to lie to you. I was good, man. How many of y'all play football? Where are my football players at, Right? Some of y'all, I'm looking at you. If you didn't play football, your parents cheated you because you should have, okay? But listen, I played football. I was a stud, man. I played offense and defense. Started on both of them a lot of times, man. Barely made weight every game, all right? Some things in life ain't never changed, but whatever. So, man, I was a stud playing Little League football. And so when I got a chance to, you know, when I was getting ready to pick a high school, West Florida High School, the, my freshman class is going to be the very first class at, fresh, uh, at West Florida. And so I had a chance to go to West Florida. I said, no, I want to play football. They were saying West Florida wasn't going to have a football team. I was like, so I'm going to Woodham High School. I went to Woodham, played my freshman year. um, And the the first day I walked on the field as a freshman, I realized this isn't Little League anymore. (laughs) Because I came across two dudes that changed my life when it came to football. Because I was barely making weight in Little League. I was the dude in Little League's. I walked in the field and I saw two dudes. One of them's name was Payne. First of all, we need to say anything else? I felt like he was seven foot 12, okay? I'm not gonna lie to you. I thought he, he was huge. Him and Wesley Jones. These two dudes looked like twin towers. They were walking refrigerators with helmets on. <laughs> and I said, dear Jesus, don't ever let me have to hit one of these guys, right? And, uh, so I played my freshman year, and we played, one, we played one time, and I hit Payne so hard, he hit me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, he wasn't even moving, and I hit him so hard, I fell down. I said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> but here's what I want you to know, is that some of us in life have gone through seasons where we were rocking it out, man. Like, things were going well. We were killing it. Like, a life was going good. We were getting promoted. Things were great, man. We were moving through life, and things were awesome. And all of a sudden, we stepped into a new league, and we started getting knocked on our tail, and we can't figure out why. But here's what I want you to know. If you're going to live a greater purpose in your life that God has for you, that means you're going to come against greater obstacles, too. And if you don't learn how to be resilient, you're never going to learn how to walk out the purpose that God has for you. You will always find something that will knock you down in life. You don't always get to be the winner. Sometimes you got to go through seasons to learn how to lose so you find out where your strength really comes from. And how about you? But I've been in some seasons where I was running into some pain. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But Jesus has taught us to be resilient, and we're going to look at that some today. You see, what happens is if we don't, but resistance is what builds you, but only after it breaks you. I want you to learn something today. Because many of us are upset about God, are upset at God because we're going through seasons in life when those seasons in life are absolutely necessary to get us to the next place that God wants to live as our purpose. Right? So the hand you're dealt wasn't fair. How many guys going through some stuff? Where y'all at? Been through a few things. Yeah, been around like life has dealt you a couple rough hands. What I want you to understand is that some of us are in a position that we're never moving on because we can't stop sulking where we are. 
We want to feel sorry for ourselves, and we want other people to feel sorry for us. And so therefore, we continue to live in the same nonsense that we were in. We continue to live in the same position that we have been living in. And we continue to be in the same arena of sin and pain and complaining and whining about how bad life is. And none of you are going to get out of it that are sulking. None of us are going to move forward from where we currently are until we learn that it's not a matter of looking for someone to put their arm around our neck as 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 much as it's a desire to get past where we currently are. The desire to be past this season has to be larger than your desire for someone to hug you in it. Okay. I said, some of us, we're going through what we're going through right now. And, and, and we, you went through a season where people were hugging you, but they quit. The hugs have stopped. The problem is, is if you don't get past your need and desire for people to put their arm around you and tell you it's going to be okay. You know what? God's just, he's going to, you know, you're going to be fine. Just, you know, we're past that season. Some of you need to get smacked around a little bit and put, pick back up and say, now you got to start moving forward because this sitting still business, this ain't going to cut it anymore. And we got to find ourselves in a position where we say enough is enough. Like I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to dust myself off and I'm going to start moving forward because I'm tired of being where I'm at. The thing is, as many of us, we can go to Instagram, we can go to Facebook, we can go to Twitter, we can go to Snapchat, and we start putting out these selfish, loathing text messages or tweets or Instagram posts. I wish someone would call me today. I'm just feeling so bad about myself. I just wish someone would, oh, I just need a hug. Anybody out there even care about me? Like, no. Not today. Because here's the deal. If you don't care enough about yourself to pick you up, no one else is going to do it either. All right. Jesus brings strength to those who are willing to stand. You know, he said, when you've done all you can do, stand. He didn't say, when you've done all you can do, sit and post on Instagram. So we need to find ourselves in a place where we're tired of being where we're at and we're ready to pick ourselves up. Who's ready to pick ourselves up? The problem, for waiting, the problem with waiting for sympathy is when you stop getting it, you'll do anything to get it back. So you'll put yourself in a worse position to get sympathy than you were in to start with so that you can continue to get the hugs so that people will continue to reach out to you. I have some people, I've seen people be in bad positions and because people stop hugging their neck, they put themselves in worse positions just so they could get attention. You got to want to be whole more than you got to want to be heard. Okay. Here's what you better understand. Victory, turn your neighbor and say victory. Victory. Your victory is always on the other side of a battle. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all didn't get it. Your victory is always on the other side of a battle. See, some of us are getting mad at God because we're going through battles, not realizing the only way we can be victorious is if we go through them. We want the victory without the battle. Right? We want the reward without the struggle, and we want the testimony without the test. Okay. You want to be the person on stage talking about how good God is, but you complain every time God allows you to go through something where you got to be on the stage. Told y'all, real talk. We got six more weeks of this. The Lord said, No weapon formed against you shall, but He didn't say the weapon wouldn't form. We get mad because things are coming against us. No, no, no. He said things are going to come against us. He said they wouldn't prosper. But he said, when you've done all you can do, stand. So we need to start standing on behalf of the fact that they won't prosper, not sitting because they formed. 
2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says this. It says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart. How many guys have ever been there? Come on, somebody. Can we be real? For, it looks like they are falling apart. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the, com- uh, to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. Here it is, guys. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see, the things he's doing inside of us, the things he's teaching us, the things he's using to make us whole, these things are going to last forever. And it's time we learn what Jesus is trying to accomplish through what we're going through instead of just complaining that we're in it. Turn to your neighbor and say, pick yourself up. Next, you got to realize that your strength equals your defeat. Your strength equals your defeat. You, my friend, and I are not strong enough to defeat what we go through on our own. Here's the thing. Because you just, well, Pastor, you just said pick yourself up. Yes, it is up to you to get up. It's up to God to help you get through. But God will not get you through until you get yourself up. Come on, somebody. So we have to realize that we have to get ourselves up, but we, ha- we can't just lean on our own strength. Romans 7, 18 through 20 says this, I obviously need help. How many of y'all? How many of y'all? That's you right there. I obviously need help. Right? You know, some of y'all like Job. I look to the left. I look to the right. I look in front. I look behind. And I can't find God nowhere. Matter of fact, did he forget about me? But if you keep reading, then Job goes, wait a second. I perceive he just passed me by. In other words, he's never forgot about you. He hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't left you. So I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyways. How many of y'all have been there? Like, man, I I decided I wasn't going to do bad things, and here I am. But I decided I'm going to do good things. I can't do it. Like, I just find myself in this constant state. My decisions, my decisions such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. How many of us can raise our hand and be like, man, mm, that's me? Whether it's an addiction, you know, whether, whether it's a substance abuse, whether it's your mindset, whether it's your mentality, whether it is a genuine sin, because what we have to understand is that our strength is going to constantly lead to our defeat, but we're going to constantly be in battles. So if we're tired of being defeated, we got to start tapping into a source and a strength that can really genuinely help us overcome because we're not going to be good enough on our own. And the big thing I want you to understand is it happens two ways. Number one, obviously it happens through the power of God. We're going to get to that in a second. The second thing is it happens in community. Turn to your neighbor and say community. If you don't bring someone else into the process of your life, you will always struggle with the things you can't defeat. Someone else. Here's the reason why. Because we're really bad about being honest with ourselves about where we are. I remember when Swaggart and and some of those guys were failing. And so what happened is uh, they did an interview with Billy Graham. This is, this is early 90s, mid 90s. They did an interview with Billy Graham. They say, how come, how come you haven't failed like Swaggered? How come you haven't done this? How come you haven't tripped and fallen? How come you haven't fell into sin like that? 
And uh, Billy Graham said, oh, that's easy. He said, I don't trust myself. He said, what do you mean by that? He said, I can't have an affair. I'm a wife uh, because I'm never with another woman to have an affair. He said, I'm never alone with another woman. I'm never, matter of fact, when I travel and preach at crusades, I take another man from my staff and he stays at the hotel room right next to me. So there's nothing that can possibly happen. But he said, it's not because I'm good enough. He said, I don't trust myself. And some of us need to realize that we're never going to defeat what we're battling up against until we, until we stop trusting ourselves to be strong enough to overcome it. Because you need people in your life that can see your blind spots that you can't see. How many of y'all have ever been caught off guard by something in your life? A sin just came and just out of nowhere. You were like, where did that come from? Here's the deal. There were plenty of signs that that was coming. The thing is, you can't see them. You need someone in your life that can be like, hey, that don't look good. Hey, you might want to stop. That looks, well, you know, you, you talk to that female coworker a little too long. You might want to ease up on that. If you're the only one that has your phone password, you've already failed. If you're the only one that can log into your Facebook and your Instagram, you've already failed. I'm letting you know right now, if you're the only one that can see into your own personal life, you're already messing up. You need to have someone in your life that has the loaded gun that could kill you if they wanted to, but loves you so much that they won't. And if you don't have that person in your life, you better find them. Because if you don't, you will continue to be in this place of trying to be strong enough on your own to defeat the things that are coming against you. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another. Why is that necessary? It's necessary because Jesus' grace came in and made us whole. When we stepped into grace and we we became saved, Jesus erased the consequences of our sin, but he didn't get to the point that we became completely free from our sin. We became free of the penalty, but not always free from the sin. That's why it continues to sit there. That's what Paul is talking about. Man, I got this thing that keeps sitting around. I'm saved. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm here. I'm stepped into grace. I stepped into forgiveness, but this thing hadn't gone away yet. That's the reason why you can take a football player, you can take him out of the heart of the ghetto, give him $60 million and put him on a football field, and he'll keep getting busted for dime bags on the corner because you can take the boy out of the hood, but it doesn't mean you brought the hood out of the boy. You can take us out of the sin, but it doesn't mean you took the sin out of us. And if you want to get free, you better bring someone else into the process. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this now. It can't be your spouse because your spouse will give you sympathy where you shouldn't get it. You need someone that can knock the fire out of you when you need it. I got buddies right now, man. I'll go to breakfast with them. Yeah, how things going? Oh, this is I had one. He did it to me the other day. We went to breakfast. And uh, so I was, I was sitting there. My phone was ringing. I didn't see it ringing. I honestly didn't. I didn't see because I don't ever have my phone on ring. It was vibrating. It was off to the side. It was on a napkin. And it was ringing. My wife's name came up. I didn't see it. He said, boy, you better answer that. I said, oh, my phone. You know. But he, he was reminding me, there's never anything that's happening right here that's more important than that woman that's calling your phone. He told me, for, he told me in just a moment, listen, I care more about you. And I care about your marriage. If I care about you, I care about your marriage. You answer that phone. I don't care what we're talking about. I don't care if I'm crying my eyes out. You answer that phone when your wife calls. You know what I'm saying? We have to have people in our life that do that because your strength is your defeat. Can't do this on your own. Number three, next, you got to kill the sin. Kill the sin in your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, kill it. You got to do something with it. Romans 7, 21 through 23, Paul keeps going here. He says, 
It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. In other words, he's saying, I love the Lord. I want to do what he said. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in on that delight. In other words, how many will admit there's something in us that constantly rebels against what we want to do? He says it. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. So what do we want to do? I want you to check out Colossians 3 with me for a second. It says, kill off everything connected with that way of death. I want you to notice two words in that. First of all, kill off. He didn't say put away. He didn't say hide. He said kill it. And he didn't say with everything related to that way of life. See, some of us think that what we do, our sin that's connected to us is a way of life. No, that's the way of death. It only leads to destruction in our lives. Kill off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. So here's what we do. Justin, hand me that right there, buddy. Here's what we do in life. How many of y'all know that sin is, the Bible says sin is fun for a season? So I got some donuts here. Yes, Lord. We got cocoa pebbles with chocolate frosting. Giving a shout out to Maynard's Donuts right now. Come on, somebody. We got a cream puff with whatever this is. And then I saved the best for last. Maple bacon. Yes, Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Okay, somebody like. But here's what we do, man. Here's what we do in our life is, is uh, sin is fun for a season. It tastes good. Even the Bible says that, right? So this is what happens. The Lord comes to us or, or, or he puts people in our life. We identify the sin. We identify the things we shouldn't have in our life anymore, which today is these donuts. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I might have had one earlier. So we're just going to we're going to pretend these are sinful. OK, whatever. So uh, but here's what we do in our life when we're in control. Jesus says, hey, you need to get that stuff out of your life. And we go, you know what? You're right, Jesus. I'm, I'm going to get rid of these things. And we go and we we set them down. And we set them down over there and we say, I'm free. I'm done with it. I'm not doing this anymore. The problem is when we put it away, we know where to find it. So we, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm done with that pornography addiction. I'm done with that alcoholism. I'm done with that substance abuse. I'm done with that affair. I'm done with whatever it is. And I'm done with that negative mentality. I'm done with gossip. I'm done with all those things. The problem is whenever we say we're done, if we just put it away, we know where to go find it. And what happens is when life catches you off guard, when something doesn't go your way, when you get that pink slip, when you get that house note, when you get something that comes your way, you didn't see it coming. What happens is you know where to go back to where you put it originally. And so you can go back and say, you know what? I had a bad day. I can just have a little bit. Things didn't go my way. I can have just a taste. The thing is, is the Bible didn't say put it away. It said kill it. That's why I, I, I love when you see, like, and you always seen animals attack when they lay a girl in a bikini on a tiger to sell shampoo? What? Right? And then the tiger gets up by the shoulder, right? And slings her around like a doll. 
what happens? They put the trainer on the video. I, I didn't know the tiger was going to bite her. Like, what are you talking about? It's a tiger. That's what it does. It eats things. Can I tell you something? When you sit there and put your sin away, but you know where to find it, and then it comes back and gets you in the end because your sin was made to destroy you. The, the Bible says that he's a, a, a lion seeking whom he may devour, right? He's out to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So when your sin comes back at you because you put it away, but you didn't kill it, it comes back and all of us are going, I had no idea that pornography addiction was going to pop back up in my life. I had no idea I was going to go. I had no, no, you did because you didn't do anything about it. You just hid it for a while. What we don't need to do is hide it, what we actually got to do is kill it. We got to put it in a place. I said, you got to put it in a place you can't find it anymore. Hey, where, where's that addiction at? I don't know, fam. I can't find that junk anywhere. It's not a part of my life anymore. Where's that dude that you were sleeping with at? I don't know. I can't find him anymore. He's not on the plate. Like, he's not in my life anymore. Where's that addiction at? I don't know, because I don't let it be a part of my life anymore. Matter of fact, I got Justin. I got Ben. I got a couple of guys that keep looking into my life, making sure that never shows back up on my plate. Why? I didn't put it where I could find it again. I made sure it was gone for good, because I'm done with it being a part of who I am. You got to kill it. Stop entertaining it. The sin that you tolerate in your life will become your destruction. I'm going to say that again. The sin that you tolerate will become your destruction. We keep doing with our life what some of you parents do with your kids. You keep counting three over and over again thinking they're going to keep listening. One. Two. Two and a half. Three. But you don't even do nothing about it and wonder why their life is going crazy. Can I tell you something? Some of you keep giving yourself countdowns, but you're never doing anything about it, and you want to know why life keeps going crazy. How about we do something about what's in our life once and for all? Tell your neighbor, say, clean the plate. Next, you got to connect to the source. Connect to the source. Because here's the deal. You're not strong enough on your own to defeat this. And when you kill the sin, you're going to have to have the source available. Who is the source? The source of hope, the source of joy, the source of peace, the source of righteousness. You've got to have the source connected to you so that when the desire comes back to put something back on the plate, you've got something better than what was on the plate. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 12 says this. These are all warning markers saying danger in our history books. Written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. And so Paul was talking about the Israelites, how they had fell from the Lord. And he was talking about how there's nothing new, right? That all the sins that they were committing was already committed before by a different group. And he's trying to say there's, that we can see how sin destroyed them. We don't want to make the same mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning and we at the end. And we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. How many of y'all got great suggestions for other people, but when it comes to your life, it, it gets in a shamble sometimes? What you need to do is, oh, I don't, I don't listen to anybody that starts what you need to do with is, but they ain't got their stuff figured out yet. Right? We are just as capable of messing it up as they were. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not exempt. 
Look back at him and say, you can mess up too. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. You need to be tapped into who can bring confidence in your life. You need to be tapped into who God is in your life and stop looking for ways that you can become great on your own and start looking at how God can make you great. When we started talking about resilience, there was a couple people's story that came to mind and came to my heart. And for some of you, we, we forget, man, that for some people, they haven't heard this story before. Um, some of you are so new to us that you don't even know how some of the people in this church have made it through with God's strength and how he has encouraged and lifted them up and given them what they need to make it through what they've gone through in life. And so, um, a matter of fact, today, I want to show you a story uh, about two people, a brother and sister in our church, that resilience definitely shines. Go ahead, guys. Me and Tommy, we fought like, we fought, we fist fought a lot. We did not get along growing up. About 22 years ago, um, I was 10 at the time. Um, my mother and my little brother and little sister were murdered by um, a family friend of ours that I've grown up with. And my dad was, he worked out of seas um, for months at a time. So it caused us to actually live house to house kind of like we were in foster care, but not in the system. And at that time, Tommy was um, best friends with Brad. They lived down the street from us. Their family heard about us and the situation we were in and asked us um, if we would like to come live with them temporarily for a month or so until we could find a place um, to live. And it ended up being uh, forever. September will be seven years ago. Um, they were just like, boom, the news of your dad is in stage four cancer. And basically told us he only had six months to live. I, it seemed like I just lost my mother, my sister and my brother. And getting dropped that news, I was like, why is this happening again? In my dad's last days, I was able to pray with him. I was able to lead him to the Lord. I know that one day I will be able to see my dad in heaven when I get there. I could not have gone through this journey without Tommy by my side because we have, we, we've been each other's rock. To tell you the truth, with Tommy's accident, when I got that call, my, my heart literally dropped. I was like, Lord, why everyone in my family is leaving me?
I remember when we were allowed to go in and see Tommy and just how he looked. He did not look like himself at all. That's when the doctors sat down and met with all of us um, in a room and it was like, you, you need to think about donating your your brother's organs and turning him off. And at that time, I was like, no, I'm not ready. In my heart, that's what I was thinking. I'm not ready to let him go. The best news ever was when they said that the doctors went in and pinched Tommy on the chest and him reaching out and grabbing the doctor's hands. That was the best news. That was the best news ever. <laughs> I thought, why, why in the world this happened to me? I, I, I questioned God. Why, why, why you choose me? I, I would, I would not take, take it bad back for one moment because I don't know how many people got saved through my journey or, or was touched by my story. I am honored and grateful for him to chose me in this journey. Come on, you right, you right. <laughs> so you get to <laughs> shout out to all my ushers. That I'm, I'm so nervous. <laughs> oh, all about. Sorry. <laughs> come on, come on, somebody, somebody. <laughs> hey, um, so um, my name is Tommy Hin, and uh. <laughs> <laughs> Cut. <laughs> I think they're back there. I know Tommy's back there. I could hear him throughout the whole video. But uh, I think Cindy's back there somewhere too, man. Uh, but when we talked about resilience, and not about you guys, man, uh, you know, other than my son, Jabin, uh, who, if you're new, maybe it's your first time here, my son, he's been sick with a brain disease. And that, that one, that one hurts. But I think about through my whole life, the things that I've allowed to control me and to knock me down and to own me and to destroy my purpose and to keep me from doing what God destined for me to do. And honestly, when I look at people who have come through with resilience, the things that life has thrown at them and they've kept their faith in the Lord and they've recognized that their strength comes from him. How about you guys, man? But it kind of looks like small potatoes. How often do we take what we're going through 
and blow it up. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm saying is it something that should be knocking us off our game? But Jesus came to bring life. Number five is that his strength is my victory. See, my strength is my defeat, but his strength is my victory. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 10 says this. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. How many of y'all ever had just, you knew what was coming against you, wasn't just life, but the enemy was coming after you with a plan to try to knock you off track. It says, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. In other words, at that point, you, humility is all I got left. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, but then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Some translations say, my strength is actually made perfect when you're weak. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on my struggle and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. And for us, many of us have tried it our way long enough. But your resilience, the key to your resilience, your key to bouncing back is not on how awesome you are, it's not on how strong you are, it's not on how good you are, how great you think you are. Your ability to bounce back and walk out the purpose that God has for you, your ability to be resilient like we see Tommy and Cindy in their life, your ability to overcome, to be victorious and stop being defeated, all of that is connected to the fact that God is perfected his strength in your weakness. Where you should fail, you get to lean on God and he gets to bring you through. That it's not about you, but it's how good Jesus is in you. And today, before you leave, I want you to know that you don't have to keep faking your strength anymore. As a matter of fact, you can expose your weakness. You can look into the heavens and say, God, I'm not enough to deal with this on my own. I can't tell you how many times I've stood in my backyard with my fist in the air and told God, I don't know what you're doing and I don't know why you're doing it, but you're gonna have to carry me through this because I am not enough. I don't have what it takes. And I, I'll be honest with you today that I told God before, if this is the journey you mapped out for me, you can take it back because I don't want it. But how many of you are grateful that in his grace and in his mercy, he doesn't give us a choice, but also in his grace and in his mercy, when we know we're not enough, he becomes enough on our behalf. And his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Let's pray today.
Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you that you you didn't look for a group of people that had it together and then use that for the reason why you would change us. But God, in our desperate need for you, you chose then to change us, to save us. God, where hell was our destination, you stepped in with grace and mercy. But God, I pray that you remind us that you didn't just step in with grace and mercy in that time of need so that you could save our eternity, but let us live like hell on earth. You came in so that we could be victorious today, that we could be strong today, and that tomorrow our our weakness can be recognized, but that your strength can be made perfect in it. And so today we come to you, Lord. God, in areas of our life that we are strong, God, I pray that you show us that we're only strong because you've graced us to be strong. In areas of our life where we're weak, I pray that you show us, God, that that is just an area that we desperately need you to take over. We thank you today for resilience, for bouncing back. We love you. While your eyes are still closed, today we want you to know that the connection to resilience today only comes from Jesus Christ. The beauty of the gospel is this. The Bible says that we've all sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned, we've all messed up. Being good is not the qualifier for being saved. But Jesus came so that we would have life. Matter of fact, the Bible says he loves you so much that he laid laid down his life. When he went to the cross, he paid for your sins and my sins so that you could put your faith in him and you could actually be saved so that when all this is said and done, eternity could await. But even while you're on earth, that he could be your strength where, in areas where you've been defeated. And today, if that's you, you say, Pastor, that's, that, that's me. I, I need my eternity. First of all, I need my eternity to be taken care of. I wanna be resilient in life. I wanna be victorious in life. I want him to take control of that. But the greater news is that he came that you would have an eternal life. And if you say, Pastor, that's me. I want my eternal life taken care of. I want my temporary life to be moved into a place of victory. I want him to take control. If that's you today, I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I wanna pray for you. And then you say, that's me, Pastor. I wanna give my life to Jesus today. I wanna be saved. I want him to take control. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? I'm not gonna come to you, I'm not gonna bury you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Hands are going up all over the building. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. I told you, I'm not gonna embarrass you today. I wanna pray for you. You say, Pastor, I want Jesus to take control. I'm tired of doing it my way. I wanna surrender everything to him. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray together. If you're watching us online, even you can join in on this. You want Jesus to take control of your life. Here's the deal, this prayer doesn't make you saved. Putting your faith in Jesus alone is what makes you saved. But let's declare with our mouth what we're believing in our heart. And that is that we're giving our life to Jesus today. So we're gonna pray this out loud and the whole church is gonna pray it with you. So you're not praying it by yourself. So let's do it church. Let's pray with our brothers and sisters. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean, make me pure, make me whole. I believe you died on the cross and that you rose three days later. Through your death and through your resurrection, I can be saved. I wanna follow you for the rest of my life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time. And we celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome.